My philosophy is very simple. Yeah? If you want something, yeah, go and get it. <laughs> yeah, it ain't no more complicated than that because when you tell yourself that that's unattainable, it's unattainable. You're not going to get it. Yeah. When you tell yourself, I can get that and I'm going to have that, yeah? You know, and you're prepared to put the time, effort and energy into getting it, you'll get it. You know, that's how the universe works. And that was your Monday motivation from Sting. If you don't know who Sting is, he's the guy responsible for the legendary pirate radio station Deja Vu FM. Events like Telepathy, if you were a Stratford Rex or EQ Raver back in the day, you'll probably know who he is. So uh, yeah, shout out to Sting, shout out to Funk Butcher as well. That was a clip taken from his recent episode of the Houseology Voices podcast. Make sure you check that out. But yeah, if you want something, go and get it. What are we talking about in this week's podcast? We're talking about Instagram. Ah, listen, Instagram are snatching wigs and souls across the globe. Sounds a bit corny, but that's exactly what they are doing. They are coming for world domination. Facebook Inc. are not playing. Mm, 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 mm. There's a lot of things going on with Instagram at the moment. So we're going to try and talk about some of those things. Obviously, you know, the like count thing has been a very hot topic recently. Uh, More to do with that. And also we're talking about free broadband being offered by the Labour government. You know, election time is round the corner. Jeremy Corbyn has got this very bold claim that he can offer and roll out free broadband to UK citizens. How viable is that? Also, streaming wars intensify. I feel like I talk about streaming wars a lot, but we're going to be talking about the launch of Disney Plus and uh, when it's coming to the UK as well. All of that and more coming up after the intro. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Election is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. It's Andrew, also known as Mr. Kate Box, and this is the podcast where we talk about everything from digital culture and social change to entrepreneurship, mindset, and consumer technology. Don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation, don't forget, use the hashtag on Twitter, Redesign Pod, or one word, that's Redesign Pod, or one word. If you want to drop us a line as well, you can send an email to redesignpod at mail.com. So with that being said, let's crack on with this week's podcast. Labour has set out ambitious plans to provide free full fibre broadband to every home and business in the country by 2030. Jeremy Corbyn says BC's open reach broadband business would be brought into public ownership and the ongoing cost of providing the service would be partly funded by a new tax on technology companies such as Facebook and Google. 
Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party promise free fibre broadband nationwide here in the UK if they win the forthcoming general election. So the election is around the corner. It's on December the 12th. So we're going to be going to the polls and deciding who is going to be leading us uh, through Brexit. Are we going to leave the EU? Are we not going to leave the EU? What is going on? They're going to be the people that lead us for the next four years. It seems like we've had far too many elections last decade. It's just a bit it's crazy like everyone who's not from the UK must be laughing at us right now it's a complete myth politically we're finished but yeah Jeremy Corbyn I like this guy I like the idea because obviously broadband is no longer a luxury like how it was in the 90s internet access was a luxury in the 90s when I first started using it so I jumped on the net I think it was around 1995 had the uh, Windows 95 computer on deck, 1.2 gigabyte hard drive with 16 megabytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Packard Bell, CD-ROM only. You couldn't even write CDs. You couldn't even like burn CDs on it. CD-ROM only. Don't even talk about DVDs. I don't even think those things existed those times. Got a lot of our information from things like Encarta, if you remember that. Shout out to everyone that used to use Encarta 95 and Encarta 96 to print out their homework. Homework used to be light work back in the day before teachers knew that you could just like type in something and then print it out and just act like it was you who wrote the essay. Anyway, I digress. So, broadband access should be available to everyone and um, you'd be very surprised to find out that the uh, broadband penetration in this country is quite low now according to the stats coming from a most recent report from ofcom they state that full fiber networks now cover just six percent of uk premises and um, while it's still low that figure is double what it was a year ago according to the guardian in a comparison of the UK to other countries when it comes to super fast broadband, the UK is not doing too well. Only 8% of homes are able to get super fast fiber broadband. So that's the full fiber broadband that you would need to stream a Netflix movie. If we're talking about full fiber, that is kind of like a minimum requirement for like accessing TV services and not forgetting that, you know, depending on how many people you have on in your household, you may, you're going to need a faster connection. So just a normal, what they call broadband connection. They used to call that broadband from when it was like two mega, megabits per second. That's not fast at all, considering how much content is on websites and basically the, the demand for traffic is a lot higher. You're going to need the internet to be a lot more rapid than that. So. The Labour Party are using that as uh, one of the pillars to to kind of entice people to vote for them. So uh, they plan to nationalise part of the BT. If you don't know what BT is, BT stands for British Telecom. It's one of the, you might well say it's the main provider of telecom services here in the UK. And uh, they plan to um, nationalise a part of BT called Open Zone and they're responsible for all the uh, connections the new broadband connections and the infrastructure behind it and they're also going to be taxing large tech firms such as amazon and google and facebook so um yeah they plan to deliver free broadband to every house and business in the country if they are elected and um, this was pledged by jeremy corbyn just this friday speaking in lancaster so here it is a labor government will make broadband free for everybody uh, 
and not just any broadband but the very fastest full fiber broadband to every home in every part of our country for free as a universal public service and once it's up and running instead of you forking out your monthly bill we'll tax the giant corporations fairly I hope they're listening to this we're going to tax you fairly that includes Facebook and Google that will help to cover the running costs of this this is this is a policy for the many making broadband free and available to all will open up opportunities for everybody what was once a luxury is now an essential utility that's why full fiber broadband must be a public service bring communities together with equal access in an inclusive and connected society fast and free broadband for all will fire up our economy deliver a massive boost to productivity and bring half a million people back into the workforce it will help our environmental issues and tackle the climate emergency by reducing the need for commuter journeys and it will make our country fairer more equal and more democratic so does that mean because i mean like electricity and gas those are essential utilities does that mean that we can if labor elected we don't have to pay for gas and lecky hey if that's the case yeah i am voting labor all the way uh what are your thoughts on potentially having a national public service for broadband what are your thoughts on that? Personally, I don't mind. I think it's a great idea as long as it actually does what it says on the tin, as long as it's fast and it's like fit for purpose. Um, I use the internet for my business, sending like really, really large files. So I, se I send video files, obviously files for graphics and stuff like that. It needs to be reliable and I might even need it to be faster than what most people are used to. So um, as long as it's fit for purpose, I don't mind or as long it does as long as it doesn't stop people from paying for additional speeds or services then yeah why not i'm all for it we take these things for granted watching netflix we take that for granted but you can only watch netflix on your tv if your internet connection is up to par because if it doesn't it just all falls to bits if you've got your um if you've got your partner in the other room watching youtube and then you try and stream netflix and uh, it just looks all whiffy then it's because your internet connection is not up to par you need a fully working fiber connection for all these things to work and only eight percent this is crazy eight percent of homes are able to get it compared to uh portugal who has full fiber with 89 percent penetration this is crazy so uh yeah labor government plan to do all of this and roll it out nationally by 2030 I don't know. Can they do it? You know, it's also funny. No one's really talking about 5G. I think everyone's shook because <laughs> you're not really hearing too much about 5G. Do you know anyone who's got 5G? I personally don't know anyone who's used it. I've never even seen 5G. I've only seen it on YouTube and stuff like that. I've only read about it or heard about it. I've never actually used 5G. I don't plan to sign up to any 5G plans anyway until I see some proper health reports saying that it's cool and it's safe. I mean, to be honest with you, 4G is good enough for me anyway. And most of the time I'm, I'm using my Wi-Fi connection. So it's not that deep for me. 
Some other interesting stats from ons.gov.uk. 87% of all adults use the internet daily or almost every day in 2019. That's no surprise really as we, uh, when we wake up in the morning and roll over, the first thing we grab is our phone. Also in 2019, for the first time ever, more than half of adults aged 65 and over shopped online at 54%. Do you know how crazy that is? People that are like, oh no, I don't want to use the internet. What is this internet thing? Yeah, they're shopping online as well. No wonder why the high street is suffering like this. The high street is in bits. And also, another interesting thing, the percentage of people who make video or voice calls over the internet has more than trebled over the past decade to 50% in 2019. So we're talking calls over Skype, calls over WhatsApp, so WhatsApp video calling and also FaceTime. It's a real thing now and you, now you've got this new thing called Facebook Portal which is kind of like a living room based TV camera device. It kind of just sits in your front room kind of like an Alexa box where you can do video calling without needing to use your phone or your laptop. Um, yeah, the future is definitely here. If you haven't watched this um, TV series called Years and Years, I think it's by BBC, you should go and check it out. Very futuristic. It looks like a very accurate representation of what the future will be like in terms of uh, technology and even the political climate. It's it's a bit scary, but check it out though. It's called Years and Years. Yeah, video calling was standard. So uh, moving away from mobile phones and using more voice activated smart connected devices in the home. So uh, check it out. I'll, I'll probably leave a link in the description of this podcast for you to go and check that out. I always like to share resources and things that I've watched um, along the way that kind of help shape my content. So yeah, go check that out. Anyway, let's go for a quick break. What we gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. Hi, this is my neat Yamaha Portisam. I can take one of these play cards Slide it in, and my Yamaha Portisam plays the tune all by itself. Or I can play the tune by following the flashing lights. And that's not all. If I don't want to use play cards, I can still play all by myself. I have a lot of fun with my Yamaha Portisam, and so does my grandpa. There are many different Portisam models. Visit your Yamaha Portisam dealer for a fun demonstration. <laughs> So Instagram have been making major headlines this week with the announcement that they're going to be hiding the like count on posts. Well, it's already happened. It's happened in the US. And then to my surprise, it's happened here in the UK as well. So if you go onto a post on Instagram, you'll be able to see how many likes you've got if you actually click on your own post. But when people come to your profile, they can't see exactly how many likes each post has. On the flip side, with accounts that have thousands and thousands of followers and thousands and thousands of likes, it does still say that a post was liked by, it might just highlight maybe one or two people that you may be following and then it will say and thousands of others. So you can still kind of see that a post has got thousands of likes. Probably, I think that's maybe psychologically just by not leading with the number, it's, you're, not, you're not led with the number first. That's not the first thing that you see. You see the post. And if you really want to see how many likes a particular post has got, you actually have to click into it. And if you've got time, you can count how many people have liked it. Ain't nobody got time for that, but um, yeah, it's happened now. And 
I'm really impartial to it. I think it could be a good thing in terms of like, you know, a certain demographic of people, maybe younger people who kind of grew up having a different type of link to self-esteem and self-worth with uh, with social media and likes. I'm slightly older. I don't have that kind of, I don't have that perception of, you know, things like likes. So I don't know. But a lot of people are saying it's going to be good for like mental health and self-esteem. And also a study conducted by the UK Royal Society for Public Health back in 2017 found that Instagram was the worst social media platform for mental health and well-being among teens and young adults. Um, with the platform closely linked to issues with anxiety, depression, bullying and fear of missing out. So yeah, the CEO of Instagram's kind of like hinted that a lot of their reasoning for doing this is about making Instagram more of a safe place for people in terms of uh, mental health. But I know it's got something to do with money as well. It, it has to. It has to be a business decision. I don't think Instagram care like that, to be fair with you. Um, it would be a good way for creators, people who are creating content and sharing it online. It would be a good way to like let people kind of create without thinking too much about the validation side of things. But one interesting aspect of all of this is how is it going to affect the revenue of um, influencers, creators, and what's what's going to happen with the power dynamic between brands and influencers and brands and consumers? Because brands obviously pay influencers to get coverage for their products and services. And um, what is Instagram going to do about the metrics? Obviously, the metrics are important. If you're investing in advertising if you're looking to pay someone to advertise your product your product or service you want to know how much coverage you're going to get you're going you're going to know what is the potential of hiring a specific person um are they reaching the audience that you want all these metrics kind of used to be on display for the public i know instagram are not stupid they're not stupid at all so could it be possible that instagram or facebook is going to offer these metrics on a subscription basis to brands so brands can actually purchase the information so if they want to know how much engagement a particular account is getting perhaps they may pay for some sort of subscription i don't know um might be a possibility i've seen that idea floating around in the in the like comment section of uh, various youtube videos about the subject i don't know what your thoughts let me know what you think is going to be the outcome for influencers uh, brand deals and stuff like that what do you think is going to happen instagram are not stopping there either um they've created so many new filters this week it's unreal so many different filters they're going deep with the uh, ar which is augmented reality it's become very uh, easy to create stuff on instagram if you're a creator and you're into visuals and stuff like that instagram has definitely solidified themselves as the platform to be on in 2020 uh, if you can master instagram you'll do well so there's no more pressure anymore the likes have been taken off I think it's a good time. I think it's a good time to actually like establish your own brand, figure out what works for you and your audience and kind of like build your own lane. And there's no excuse anymore to kind of like get the attention. People are looking for stuff that's new, authentic, and you're not going to be judged based on the amount of likes you've got. So let's see 
where the real creators are at. Let's see what happens in the next two to three years. No one can complain about likes anymore. So yeah, let's see what happens. So Instagram has launched a new mode called Create Mode and this basically allows you to combine interactive stickers, doodles, drawings, photos, text and all that stuff on your posts. You can do a lot more interactive stuff on there. You can be a lot more creative and there's just so many of them. It's impossible to keep up, but you've got no excuse to not be able to find your own style and, and, and create something now. So yeah enjoy creating out there if, if that's your thing if you are trying to build a personal brand or if you've got something that you want to promote or an event you gotta really dig into like there's a lot of stuff to learn now about instagram and how to use it i'm probably going to do a section where i talk about different apps and different things that you and different tips and techniques that you can use to like create really engaging instagram stories and um going to be studying some different strategies on how to grow. I haven't really paid my Instagram accounts very much attention recently over the last few months. Uh, main reason for that, because the business has been quite busy. So I've been very busy with client work. Well, that kind of shows you that you don't always need to be popping on social media to make money. Um, a lot of people kind of equate likes, followers and engagement to money, which is absolute bullshit because the last two years have probably been the most busiest periods of my business since launching Cakebox Creative back in 2013. And it's also been the times where I've been the most quiet on social media. So that's definitely something to think about. And also there's an app called Like Patrol. You remember a few weeks back when Instagram suddenly pulled the plug on the um, following tab, <laughs> exposing people's activities. Now this, app this app is the devil oh my god this app called like patrol i've never heard of it up until uh, a couple of weeks back when i find out about the um the following tab disappearing yeah so it's an app called like patrol it was uh, recently removed from the app store after apple sent them a cease and desist letter for policy and data collection violation so basically if you don't know what like patrol is it's an instagram stalking app uh, kind of allows you to look at what specific people are liking on Instagram. So you could look at someone and find out what post they're liking, uh, whose post they're commenting on as well. It kind of like allows people to keep a constant eye on other people's activities and people actually pay for this service. So paying subscribers can get notifications each time there's someone on Instagram they, they follow has liked or even commented on a photo. So uh, yeah, very, very commonly used. It says in the article that basically it offers individuals a service that allows them to check on who their partners were interacting with on Instagram. Now the founder of Light Patrol, Sergio Quintero, said that he's going to do everything he can do in his power to get the app back on the iOS store. Yeah, this is, this is amazing that these kind of apps even exist i don't know what are your thoughts do you think <laughs> do you think there's a place for apps like this do we need things like this hit me up on twitter use the hashtag redesign pod or one word things that make you go did you know that the first touchscreen mobile phone was released back in 1992 yeah it seems like touchscreen phones have been around not too long. A lot of people think that the first touchscreen phone was 
either the first iPhone back in 2007, the iPhone 3GS, or the Samsung Toco. Go and Google the Samsung Toco. That's one of the first, that was probably the first touchscreen phones that I had. It was a work phone that was given to me. Absolute dog shit. Um, but yeah, it was a phone called the IBM Simon. The IBM even make mobile phones. I didn't even know they made mobile phones. So it's called the IBM Simon. That was the first phone to have a touchscreen back in 1992. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Right, who said streaming wars? What's going on with the stream? What's going on with the streaming wars? So Disney Plus has launched. We're always late to the party. We always get no invite to the party. Apparently it's doing extremely well. I think they got about 10 million subscribers. 10 million new subscribers just in, in week one of launching. Uh, but we've got a UK release date. Finally, we're going to have to wait a very long time we're not getting disney plus until the 31st of march but yeah the disney plus service is looking very good yeah things are intensifying are netflix rightfully worried i don't know maybe maybe so but they just signed a new deal with nickelodeon as well um they're talking about introducing new original content from nickelodeon based on past catalog so having like little spin-off shows from spongebob i don't i don't understand this whole spongebob thing that is something i never watched like back in the 90s when i was a kid and i used to watch nickelodeon from like 4 p.m to about 7 p.m i never cared about spongebob i think my favorites were more like ren and stimpy rugrats keenan and kel um and i liked a lot of the cartoon network stuff as well can't lie but yeah anyway i'm 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 talking too much about my um i think i'm uh overly nostalgic right now i need to relax but yeah um netflix has just signed a deal with nickelodeon so netflix are not taking this line down at all they're really not but yeah will you be signing up to disney plus how many streaming services are you signed up to at the moment uh yeah let me know what your thoughts on that are so just looking at it, it was actually in one day that Disney Plus got 10 million subscribers. Not even in the first week. It was only like one day that they launched. It'd be very interesting to see how this all pans out, to be fair. Oh yeah, Rocco's Modern Life was another one. That, that was... That was Let's jump to a quick snippet to Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix. Um, is he the CEO? He's one of the founders, isn't he? I don't know if he's still the CEO, but he's definitely one of the founders. And they were asking him his opinions on what's going to happen with all this, uh, this streaming war, their position in comparison to Disney Plus and all the other streaming services. Uh, what kind of consumer behavior are we going to expect? What's going to happen? Um, yeah, he seems quite optimistic, but listen to what he had to say. And so my question is now that you see what's happening in this ecosystem, an yeah. ecosystem which you effectively have created or at least inspired, what you think is going to happen. You look at Disney+, Plus, you look at HBO Max on one side, um, 
You obviously have Hulu still in, in, in the middle of this. Huge, yeah. Um, Apple, what, is it, what does it look like to you? So there's a lot of competitors all throughout the world, but if you're asking in the U.S. market, um, YouTube, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, all launched 2007, 2008, so 11 years ago. The four of us have been, you know, competing hard for all this time. Um, and then <clears throat> everyone's realized, wow, this internet thing really works. And consumers are enjoying it. And so now all the major media companies are investing in their own services. Um, and it's great for consumers. There'll be some more competition for us, but we've already got a lot of competition. Um, and most of it is people will watch less linear TV and now watch, say, Disney content on the Disney Plus service. So do you think, I mean, I guess the real question though is, do you think that people are gonna make decisions and say, I'm gonna either do Disney, or I'm going to do Netflix, or I'm going to do HBO Max, or et cetera? You know, not in terms of subscribing. People will subscribe to a couple services the way that they subscribe to a couple news services. Um, but then on terms of time, that's the real competition. The tricky thing in this streaming war is, you know, Apple and <clears throat> uh, Disney's not going to break out revenue for the service. And you'll hear some subscriber numbers, but you can just bundle things in, so that's not going to be that relevant. So the real measurement will be time. How do consumers vote um, with their evenings? And do they end up watching uh, what mix of all the services? So so starting in Q1, you'll start to see a, a breakout of that like from Nielsen and others. Um, Bob Iger told our own Maureen Dowd, uh, look, no one will ever have a monopoly or a mythology or a stor on storytelling, not us, not anybody. What Netflix is doing is making content to support a platform. We, as in Disney, are making content to tell great stories. It's very different. Yeah, I would say we're both trying to please consumers. Um, so, you know, our North Star is how do we do content? I mean, we have the Irishman coming up, we have two popes, we have uh, the crown in a couple weeks, and that's about pleasing our customers. And that's what Disney does too. I mean, Disney's been doing creative content for 100 years. <clears throat> They're incredibly good at it. They're 80 billion in revenue, we're 20 billion. Um, and we're both focused on how do we win viewing time from you uh, by doing incredible work, telling stories that you all care about. So Disney Plus is available right now in the US, Canada and Netherlands. Um, we're going to get it next year. And the main reason for this is because of a licensing deal with Sky, which has to expire first before they uh, are allowed to, you know, start selling the streaming services over here. It's, it's simply to do, it's not a technical issue, it's simply to do with licensing deals with sky tv so yeah that's why we are being delayed bit annoying because disney plus i'm not gonna lie it looks lit you've got uh, the whole marvel franchise you've got the simpsons you've got the whole star wars franchise i'm talking about the original star wars movies as well from one to six so you're gonna have all of that on there and also you've got um the whole um you've got national geographic on there and you can even upgrade to a higher package and get if you're a sports fan you can actually subscribe to espn as well and also hulu so that will be another additional bundle available on disney plus so it's all very exciting um there is i don't see the point of having sky tv anymore to be fair with you um yeah that plus sky tv i just it just doesn't make any sense but you know another thing that is lit about um disney plus they don't actually charge you any additional fees for 4k access so you know like netflix if you want 4k 
you have to pay an additional fee on top of your normal subscription i think it brings up to about 12 pound a month or 15 or even 16 pound a month i'm not sure but um yeah no additional fees for 4k so those of you who've got 4k ready tvs yeah you can enjoy without any additional fees but the only thing is we have to wait until march which is kind of peak still Mm. yeah let me know what you think are you going to subscribe to disney plus do you have sky tv still what are your thoughts on the whole streaming thing that was it for this week's podcast make sure you tune in for another episode next week don't forget if you're listening on spotify make sure you hit the follow button soundcloud apple podcast leave us a review leave us a comment and yeah don't forget cool school tickets cool school is launching on 9th of january it's the night school and social club for grown-ups make sure you cop your tickets if you want more information head over to this is coolschool.com follow cool school gram on instagram as well and uh, yeah make sure you grab your early bird tickets those are on sale right now that being said that is it from me i'll be back next week for another installment Take care and bye for now. We designed, 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 designed.